our strategy is that through the effective use of guerrilla warfare and through continually maintaining an effective fighting force, we will eventually sap the political will of the British government to remain in Ireland. If the British government were prepared to show even one iota of leadership and were to begin moves to disengage from this country, then the conflict would cease. Is the real anger in the loyalist community now and could that anger spill over to violence? There is anger. There is anger. But as it regards violence, the threat of violence has been seen to pay. It paid for the Irish government, it paid for the EU. I mean, why didn't the, the, the rest of the EU and Ireland just say there's a hard border in Ireland? Work with the threat and violence, it was moved. So as it regards the threat of violence, I think the threat of violence at the moment has, has, has been mouthed off by the DUP. The DUP are politicians, I don't think they're capable of violence. If they're threatening it, well, maybe they're just playing the same game that Leo played. But if loyalists are forced into the corner here and the Northern Ireland Protocol doesn't change, then could there be violence then? If you turn around your man and say, like, I don't want to take this country often, like, I don't want to take this nationality often, could there be violence? It would depend on the individual, wouldn't it? Have I mentioned that I want to be Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? Hello. I'm tipping my hat to you Okay. There, bud. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> this week, in observance of the coming St. Patrick's Day, we're talking about Irish horror, uh, which is a robust genre currently. Tons of great Irish horror movies out there. Uh, two of which we are going to talk about now. Dave, your selection, please. It's called A Dark Song. It's a 2016 Irish-British independent horror film uh, written and directed by Liam Gavin, starring Steve Oram and Catherine Walker. Um, I love this movie. Steve Oram is amazing. Uh, he's uh, the guy from Sightseers. Uh, this is a much darker role. Um, there's moments... They get a little mystical partway through, but for the most time, it's like a really gritty drama about a guy who is his service is basically to perform this almost martyrs esque take you to the threshold of your body's limits, and then at that point, you're able to transcend and communicate with uh, the dead and basically have access to all these. Uh, dimensions and, and weird places and this lady uh her son has died and she wants vengeance and hires this guy and goes through this huge ordeal uh to try to uh, exact that revenge what did you guys think i absolutely loved a dark song i had never heard of this or if i had heard of it only uh fleetingly this is a rental right now um big fan of this i love any time movies deal with that like uh, cult underground of like black magic guys that know the dark arts and you have to like 
some you have to find them somehow. You know, almost like uh, looking for drugs or something like that. You got to get into the right networks and know the guy who knows the guy can set you up with this guy. He's going to come over and show you the devil. You know? oh, right. But but played yeah, like, like totally guy. straight and serious. Like this is a very very serious, very scary. There's no uh, wink. Uh, and nudge in this movie so uh big fan of this one i loved it this was a great choice it reminded me of uh anything for jackson not oh, yeah, that, like tonally yep. they're the same because anything for jackson definitely gives you some winks and this movie just punches you in the face for like an hour and 45 minutes in a very very slow and subtle way um this doesn't necessarily have to be a rental trent if you have the amc plus uh, add-on to prime you can right. totally watch Baller. this for free right now um but yeah i mean Steve Oram and Catherine Walker, this is this is what I saw several reviews refer to as a chamber piece, which I thought was amazingly accurate to describe this movie. Because the ritual or operation that you're referring to, Dave, they have to isolate themselves in a house surrounded by a circle of salt for an undetermined amount of time. And he basically tells her this could take six, eight months before we even know if anything's working. So the burden put on Catherine Walker and Steve Oram as Sophia and, and Mr. Solomon is amazing. And the acting in this is to die for. They give such good performances. Uh, I love the occult slash theological elements of this. I do think it is legitimately scary at times. It's legitimately heartbreaking. I also like that both they make both characters incredibly sympathetic while at the same time showing they they both have major major flaws like you are still feeling for these people while you're questioning the shit that they have done are doing and potentially will do um yeah i mean there's themes of loss trust anger and there's a bonus jerk off scene so you can't you can't lose with a dark song quite the bonus for sure uh i thought this movie was interesting uh because the whole thing was basically you know centered around the the theology and using these theological beings for your own personal gain uh but i spent most of the movie trying to figure out if this was just a poor grieving woman's mind playing tricks on her and like making her like want to believe that this shitty occult guy you know might help her out a bit and that like you know angels and demons are real uh up until a certain point i was uh definitely convinced this british seth rogan character was just scamming her out of money <laughs> and taking advantage of her uh but then he's things so yeah he's gross uh but then things start to unfold and my questions and doubts only increased i would say but the whole aspect of forgiveness is interesting to me as well uh, it was obviously a big th- uh, a big theme in the film because Sophia is Catholic and she states that she doesn't do forgiveness, uh, which I felt I really connected with that moment. I really liked that. Um, <laughs> my New Year's resolution was to be more forgiving and, you know, to let pe- give people room to grow. And it's not going very well. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm still <laughs> real pissed all the time. And so I'm still working on that. So I related to that uh, about Sophia. But overall, I really liked the movie. It had a very eerie feel to it, which I very much enjoyed with like the music. And it was like very dark lighting the whole time. But yeah, I thought it was a very interesting watch. I like that you just pointed out the one of the most important things that, and this is impressive for uh, Liam Gavin as his 
directorial debut or at least feature film and he wrote it one of the really great things he does is he takes Catherine Walker's character Sophia through so many different phases of why she is doing this and it's really well progressed for for somebody young that's this just writing a full script obviously Catherine Walker I mentioned kills it but there's three different phases of of her reasoning before you actually get to the finale and get this sort of like resolution that you never saw coming except for the thing that you just pointed out cat that I literally wrote that scene down because it was one of the only times that she was so firm and assertive and I was mm-hmm. like this has to have something to do with like the end game I loved the um the doubt cat you mentioned the the doubt about this guy Mr. Solomon he insists on being called Mr. <sighs> Anytime you you rent a house out in the middle of nowhere for a year and you get this dark arts practitioner from the underground real life dark web, and, and then the first thing he does when when he gets there is say, uh, I I have the DTs for a little while first. Just going to do an alcohol detox. I'm going to level with you. I need a detox, and then we're going to get down. <laughs> I'll do the invocation after that. Yeah, we're kicking this <laughs> off with a lot of confidence. I have an addiction. Yeah, he's gross. He's very easy to not trust. And that I think that's what kind of leads you along the way because you're like, when is she going to just be kick this guy to the curb and be like, this is a bullshit artist. Yeah, I did like the, uh, I liked her little bit of revenge. The, uh, the urine and the uh, breakfast was a nice touch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciated that. He's got like the thing on his head and he's wearing the robes and stuff. There's points that are so deadly serious, but then you look at this guy like you have to be wondering, like, what am I doing? It's and like, then what are you well then flip like, flops or something. Yeah, that leads up to the grossest blood drinking scene I've ever seen. Oh. I think in any movie I've seen so much blood drinking, but usually it's like I don't know, kind of like erotic vampire type stuff. It's like uh drug it's a high or something like that or like just like a monster yes (laughs) (laughs) sophia has to drink a cup of this disgusting sweaty guy who's just like detoxed for however long she has to gulp it down she's like what about hepatitis like yeah right so gross i'm glad you brought that up because i was so confused as to why that scene hit me so hard it grossed me out so, so hard. Gross. And Nasty. then there's there's a certain sort of mystical element to it that finally kicks in too. So that you've you've made it this far in the movie through all the tension and wondering when this guy's just gonna be like, just kidding, I'm like a serial killer rapist and I've locked you in this house. You've waited through all this, and then they just sit you down and give you this like very simple scene of just drink this glass of butt. I was so grossed out, but then also the sort of payoff that they give you pertaining to the ritual, like hit me even harder too. I was like, oh damn, like it's on. And I like, it was like a perfect time to like completely re-energize the movie and keep the viewer engaged. It was definitely uh, the darkest of the Irish picks. There's a lot of really fun Irish horror movies and I went all the way to the bottom of the barrel for this one. Yeah, we've been watching some kind of black comedy stuff and, and that's great and all, but this is the straight stuff, very serious, straight-played horror. I was a little disappointed that uh, in the outcome of the satanic sex part of the ritual, I thought they were going to have some kind of hot satanic sex, and that didn't 
I'll if you're thinking about you that. You thought don't, he was going to be involved in some hot satanic sex, really? Practitioner of the dark arts, man. <laughs> the funny part is like you you keep thinking that he's kind of making it up as he goes along when you're when you're watching him. He kind of just has this like yeah. freestyle wisdom that he just goes and uh, like this is what's going to happen next. This is what we have to do. He's always pivoting his plan because of sh- something she does to offset the whole thing. There's a lot of gaslighting and, going on. Yes, definitely. He was like, oh, you don't want to do this? Well, then I guess we got to have a sex ritual. <laughs> Sorry about it. He's the good. moment... I knew I was like I was done with that character was when he fucking told her to go put some makeup on before Ugh. he, you know, had his sex ritual. I was like, Oh, you fucking guy, you croc wearing motherfucker. I can't so hateable. You're wearing jorts probably. I don't know. It's anyway. uh, have you guys I know Dave's seen Sightseers, but it's such a stark difference from the character that he plays in Sightseers. Like I, you gotta give yeah. props to the you'd appreciate him, I think, more if you've seen Sightseers. But he also had a small part in Kill List and uh, and another Irish horror movie, The Canal, which I actually enjoyed. Kevin, did you look up the Abram Mellon or whatever the uh, the text is that they're doing the invocation from? No, I, I wasn't all that interested in it. Of course I've looked it up. <laughs> Psych. I was just about to be so disappointed. Like, that's the most interesting thing we've probably had to look up yet. How would you not look into that? Finally, you picked a movie where, like, all of the things they reference, I can actually research. Like, some Jagoff didn't make it up in his dorm room uh, <laughs> and film it found footage style. No, this is, you can go down a rabbit hole, so I will, I will try to restrain myself right now. Uh, you, can, you can look this up anywhere, but the, the Abramellon operation that Solomon ha- is talking about and Sophia has sought him out, you know, underground style is a ritual known to obtain, quote, knowledge and conversation of your guardian angel. So the in, that's one of the interesting parts of this movie that mixes the occult and theology is you're kind of playing with both demons and angels to get what you want. And the ultimate result is you want to have a conversation with your guardian angel, who, whoever that may be, you don't know, and you want to ask them for a favor. And the kicker is that the person performing the ritual, so in this case, Mr. Solomon, if, if you succeed, he also gets to ask for a favor. And that becomes a huge part of this movie. Um, most of what I found that makes the most sense are German texts. And they say that it's an 18-month timeline if you want to perform this ritual before you even know if maybe divine contact is possible. So this this movie, you can tell that Liam Gavin looked it up and he kind of pared it down to like a six to eight month. Uh, If the subject's holy guardian angel appears, then you must evoke the 12 kings and dukes of hell, Satan being one of them, and you bind them. Thereby you gain command of them and you remove their negative influence from your life. The These spirits must also deliver a number of familiar spirits. So if you're thinking about what I'm saying in the context of the movie, it makes a ton of sense. You can tell where Gavin got a lot of the scenes, and I think some of the imagery makes more sense. Uh, the magical goals for which the demon spirits can be employed are vast. Uh, they mention buried treasure, love charms, invisibility, wink, wink, and all the shit about squares and robes and circles. Uh, that's all legit. It's all part of this. But a big part of it actually has to do with Exodus 30 
And I, I would just recommend going down the rabbit hole on Exodus 30 yourself. I mean, we're getting into the actual Temple of Solomon, uh, you know, Mr. Solomon. We're getting into David and and just a lot of Babylon shit. Um, Speaking of I, Babylon. That being... <laughs> Father O'Kinney. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know you, we were doing mass today, but it's an Irish mass. It's nice. I want ham. That being said, I would, uh, I would recommend watching the movie and then digging into like the theology because that's sort of what I did and I found like wow okay that scene makes a lot more sense now or okay like I, I understand that but I, I instead of being a nerd and knowing everything I'm watching I actually enjoyed feeling this movie first before going down the rabbit hole and being like I want to know every single reference that they made I thought the most impressive thing about this whole movie was the fact that it's a two person cast I mean this really could have been this could be like a stage show. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the last time I saw two people hold a movie that well, and that speaks to the writing too. Scare me. Uh, and yeah, yeah, scare. Well, yeah, I, I would put this misery. Scare me is great, but yeah, misery is great. You want to just name? No, some I was more? just going to say like. <laughs> Well, the thing, I don't, the yeah, thing I about mean, it, it is there's a weird... Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. There's a weird know? dynamic between the two because this lady hires this guy and she wants this thing and there's this weird, like, voluntary Stockholm syndrome that's happening that isn't really in the other movies that are, you know, cap, captive, captor kind of vibe in a house together. A little sub-dom going on, a little Hellraiser. I thought this this reminded me a little bit of Hellraiser trying to find the other dimension through some kind of weird sex thing i don't know i had some of that going the the, the dealing with mortality and the you know dealing with your soul and stuff like yeah, that the, the attic floor. reminded me a lot of those the, the movies the wooden attic floor i feel like they were doing that ritual there it was very hellraiser yeah like, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah you, you kind of had your cenobite ver- you know your um irish catholic version of the cenobites <laughs> and in this thing and, and as much of a douche as Mr. Solomon is, that dude is really good at writing symbols on the floor. Like, when he first, like, does, like, the chalk circles and stuff, you're like, all right, buddy, like, find a real artist. And then as it goes on, he's, like, a full-on calligraphist and, like, professional artist. Yeah, I don't know why we're acting like Mr. Solomon wasn't the real deal. What, you guys are still questioning him now. I mean, I think he pulled it off. He pulled something off, yeah. He pulled it off, I guess. But I just still don't want to like him. They did summon. I mean, <laughs> that's the question. Like, if if ah! if he got the desired effect, and maybe that is everything that it takes to get there, breaking all those horrible taboos and degrading yourself. Maybe that's what it takes. Who knows? I thought it let you know. My impression was that there was a sign toward the end that let you know that it was all real, but uh, certainly open to interpretation. I really loved the line that uh, that Mr. Solomon has at one point where he says, science describes the least of things when Sophia is asking him, like, isn't really everything just, doesn't everything come down mm-hmm. to science? Uh, that was interesting, especially in light of um, the fact that everyone's been uh, following the science now for so long. You know, we're always talking about what, science means and uh, so I thought that was a interesting little bit of dialogue and there's tons of that which is why it works with such a spare cast in one house which I really liked too the isolation of having the two of them stuck in there and they kept showing like there are all these beautiful outdoor shots the whole time but every shot outdoors then just like cuts back into the house makes it feel even more um, you know suffocating or isolated that way I thought that was a really nice effect 
cinematographer Cathal Waters, who his biggest thing that I could find was Peaky Blinders. So I don't know if you guys ever checked out Peaky Blinders. But those shots are even more impressive because the whole thing was filmed in Ireland, but all of the external was out in the Irish countryside. All of the internal was actually downtown Dublin in a townhouse. So really good editing on this. Uh, this Liam Gavin guy, I want to keep my eye on him because the only other thing I could really find that he did after this was Mike Flanagan scooped him up to do a couple episodes of The Haunting of Bly Manor. I have a stupid question, maybe. Uh, is Wales in Ireland? Or is Negative. that a separate... Okay. Negative, but it was but it's... filmed in Ireland. Yeah, and it's an Irish production. Catherine Walker is a huge okay. Irish actress. And, and Wales is bordered... Uh, at least it's around the there north and west by the Irish Sea. So it's just the Irish Sea sure. splitting it from. It is from also Ireland. in part. A, it's an Irish film board production in part. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was just curious because it sounds like you, you know, were questioning the credentials was, of this as an Irish No, movie. I literally wasn't. I was just curious <laughs> as to whether or not Wales was in Ireland. I, I, didn't I wasn't sure it was its own I, country. I knew it was. Over I don't there. know geography. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure myself. I was curious to the answer. I know Wales is... I Googled it, so I was pretty confident. Scotland. The last thing I'll shout out about this movie, and I don't know if any of you guys listen to Sia Uh The music in this is awesome, and the sound editing is great, but I literally was shocked when I looked it up and found out that they didn't do the, the music. Um, because especially for like the third act and kind of come down. Uh, I just like to point out Motley Crue also did not uh, have anything to do with this. <laughs> I couldn't believe Thin Lizzy didn't do it. <laughs> anyway, shout out Ray Harmon. He did the music. He also did the music for From the Dark, another great Irish horror movie that we could have picked and all enjoyed this week. I was. I, I was. Su- <laughs> <laughs> no, I was surprised, bro. I was surprised. No, no. I was a little upset that there weren't any like Irish accents about. Um, and I think my whole house in general was upset that Leprechaun was not on the pick <laughs> for the Irish week. Everyone was a little upset that no, that we wouldn't be watching Leprechaun. But I think we're just going to make a fun night of it on uh, on the holiday itself. There, there's always uh, Irish week too. Right, the second pick for our pre-St. Patty's Day episode is 2012's Grabbers, directed by John Wright and written by Kevin Lehane. And this is this is a, uh, a comedy. This is not quite as dark as a dark song that Dave selected. Basically, the tiny community on Aran Island has been visited by some otherworldly creatures. The overmatched police force, or Garda, as they're called, along with the residents, discover quickly that the one way they can stay alive against these monsters is to stay super hammered. And off we go. 
Uh, I hadn't seen this one in a while. I definitely didn't see it when it first came out in 2012, but I remember really enjoying it. And totally admittedly, I was randomly on a tear of, of going down a YouTube SNL skit hole. So I had been laughing my ass off for hours prior to watching this movie. So I was definitely already prone to laugh. And I don't typically laugh a lot at horror comedies. I, 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 I don't know. Uh, but this one I thought was legitimately funny. I thought that our two main characters, Sharon Ruth Bradley playing Garda Lisa Nolan and Richard Coyle playing Garda uh, Sharon O'Shea, if I'm saying that correctly, I thought they did great. I thought the horror elements were good. I liked the monster effects. There is some, some CGI that we can question a little bit in this. But overall, I thought that Grabbers totally held up and is one that definitely needs to make my March rotation on an annual basis. I thought this movie was very, very fun. It's obviously a little cheesy. It's a little campy, but I think that just adds to its charm. Uh, the premise is great. You know, protect yourself from aliens by being just really drunk. Uh, it was a fun poke, I think, at the Irish stereotype of always being drunk. Um, but I honestly can't think of a better way to fight aliens, personally. Uh, but I thought it was really funny and entertaining and... I loved watching the drunk people try to solve problems with like the one sober person. I've been that one sober person before trying to watch everyone else like figure it out when they're all wasted and you're like, oh yeah, how's this going to go? Yeah. You, you you want me to tie your shoe for you? I'll, why don't I just tie your shoe for you? Like kind of a situation. Um, but I thought the alien itself, I didn't think the CGI was that bad. I thought it was fun. I liked the way it just kind of rolled from place to place like a big like sticky ball like those plastic balls you'd get from like the supermarket like quarter machine like and you just like roll it down I, I liked the thing that it had going on for that um, but I thought it was it was scary it had some jump scares I loved the two main characters I thought they had a nice little thing going on and I liked it a lot obviously because I like those little horror comedies quite a lot more than the serious ones usually but I loved it. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it again, probably. I love Grabbers. Um, I thought in a weird way it was kind of like an homage to like '50s monster movies, and I I treat my my body like the same way when I feel like something's gonna try to get me. Usually in the form of like a sickness or whatever, I try to make my body an unsuitable host by, uh, you know, just indulging in whatever. Uh, so that this, you know, whatever is trying to invade my body or attack me or get my life's blood is going to be like, this guy's crazy. Let's get out of here. And that's <laughs> kind of like the, the whole formula of grabbers. And uh, it's it's zany and, and fun. And it it reminds me of a lot of things. I think it's in a, a weird way. It's it's not directly meta, although there is a scene where they're stomping out an alien that reminds me so much of Shaun of the Dead. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's from the viewpoint of the monster, and it's just the feet and the people above it, like, stomping it. And I feel like there's, like, a zombie-killing scene in Shaun of the Dead that's, like, the exact same thing. But other than uh, that, it wasn't too meta, but it was a great homage to, like, 80s camp, 50s monster movies. It had a lot of, a lot of things, and it was... Uh, genuinely funny. Uh, I hadn't seen this before. I thought Grabbers was very good, but I thought it could have been great. Mm. 
I would give this Hot like take. three out of five emojis of your choice. I guess uh, four leaf clover emojis, because it grabbed me initially, like strongly. Grabbers. And I was really into the first half. Like it, it's doing everything you want it to do. As Dave mentioned, there's like tons of uh, real um, horror homage in this. Obviously. The makers of this movie were steeped in the lore of horror. I mean, right down to the guy watching the original Night of the Living Dead and, like, syncing up one of the grabber attacks with the dialogue, famous dialogue in that movie. And every little thing is just going right along, um, really into it. And then, I don't know, I felt like it kind of let me go a little bit, kind of loosened the uh, the grip and got, I don't know, a little, a little slow. I lost his focus, I think, a little bit in the middle Took me out. Uh, took me out a little bit, but very, very good. I almost loved it, but I would say I liked it quite a bit. I understand what you mean. I see because your point. Yeah, I see your point. I understand what you mean because here's the difference between the movie we just talked about and the movie we're talking about. This had such a fantastic cast, supporting cast. So you have Lisa and you have O'Shea, and they're the main characters. But the characters that they surround them with, you absolutely fall in love with, especially like what you talked about, Kat, when they really like get the bartender out there and people are trying to solve things. Um, Patty is great. Patty and is it's, the best. it's building Patty what the you Patty think. Patty of the week. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I, you know, and, and he's been called, that's Layla Roddy. He's been called the finest Irish actor of his generation, and his filmography is disgustingly long. But they're building up, and then. I think I know the point, Trent, that you're talking about is that it loses a little bit of steam because then they flip back to only having Lisa and O'Shea as the focal points and they take you through the entire finale. Like, isn't there more that they could have done with this brilliant supporting cast and all these great characters? And then they just flip it and it's like, no, we're just back to watching our two main characters again because we got to wrap this romance up. Yeah, the romance, I thought, was a stumbling block for this. And I don't mind the romance. Like, that's fine. I liked it. Horror, horror comedies are, you know, usually have some sort of romance going on at, at the center, or they often do. But this plays the romance, like, so serious. You know, if they had played the romance a little bit less straight and been a little cheekier and not so, like, earnest about it, like, they do this whole, like, right away, right? As soon as Lisa um, shows up on the island there, you know immediately that this is like one of those deals where the high-achieving, successful, careerist, uh, totally together, hot babe is going to be uh, unable to resist the charm of the old drunk loser on the island. And, like, you can <laughs> see the whole story. thing play it's, out. It's yeah, I know. Yeah, well, I mean, as, <laughs> as, as nice of a story as that may be, I feel like it's very... <laughs> Very off the rack, and you know uh, he's going to learn to let go of the bottle, and she's going to learn to let go. You're you're 15 minutes into this thing, mm. and you know that that's going to be quite a bit of it. So if it had been not quite as much, I would have forgiven that more. But isn't it nice every once in a while to have some certainty in your life? Like you know that's what's going to happen <laughs> at the end, so you're just like, this is fine. I was going to say, Dave already mentioned Shaun of the Dead, which obviously this is taking a lot of hints from. That's the same premise as Shaun of the Dead. You know within 15 minutes that he is a loser, she is not, but they will somehow end up together. They'll fill each other in. I'm not sure. saying that the journey they take to get there is, is as good. I'm definitely not saying this is as good as Shaun of the Dead. But this also actually has 
even more of a hot fuzz vibe, I thought. Where yeah, you have definitely. the the bigger the city, and I'm trying to understand. I went back and watched the beginning a bunch because, am I wrong in interpreting that the reason she is on this island is she has like vacation time to use, and she's using mm-hmm. it to come hang out and still work, but just with yeah. a more peaceful police force? <laughs> yes. yes. What the <laughs> fuck kind of labor laws are they pulling off in <laughs> Ireland? That's why she needs the old drunk loser guy to yeah. make her realize she's not really drinking in uh, life as much as she could. She needs to loosen up a little bit, and that's what she's going to learn on this journey. Let her hair down. Drink, pray, love. I think my favorite... The moment I laughed, I literally laughed out loud when I watched it was when she was drunk in the car and the huge alien monster is attacking it and she starts to read it like it's like arresting rights (laughs) where she's like you have the right to remember you killed this guy and he's like what are you you can't it's an alien and she's like I don't know what else to do like I I lost it on that one so she was definitely my favorite character. She had never drank before. I think that was like the big thing. She's like, I've never had a drink. My father didn't love me as much as my sister. But, 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 but yeah, everybody's experienced that. But I, I thought her character was great. This is the third alcoholic movie in a row that we've starting with Snow yes, Hollow, <laughs> Wolf of Snow Hollow, and then uh, a dark song I would call kind of alcoholic. And then now this. Oh, yeah. Well, and we talk about it a lot, like Wolf Cop. I was like, "This okay? That guy kind of looks like Wolf Cop." Well, I like I liked the idea of um, this very isolated, sleepy little island where nothing's going on. Seems like kind of depressed. Uh, people didn't seem like they were living real high on the hog on this island, and it's like this little community that just like lives at the local pub and they sort of like drink the world away, you know. But now they have to actually drink real life monsters away. You know, kind of like what they were already doing. I thought that was kind of a cool take. I thought at its best, it was kind of a, a tremors of uh, Irish seaside horror. Um, I like mm, the cool. no. I like the accent. No fucking. They say they say fucking like fucking. No fucking <laughs> way. Very uh, yeah. close to New England. No fucking way. Whenever you hear like authentic Irish accents, they're always like not far from your classic New England accents. I always like to see like the little old ladies. Uh, they're like uh, either Irish or like a, Italian little old ladies, like the Golden Girls. You see them like smoking cigars and chugging beers. And mm-hmm. I, there's little old ladies chugging pints in this. That's pretty impressive. That's what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's probably one of my fa- my favorite sequences is when they go into the church and everyone's they're like, how do we get everyone like in one place to the pub for the night? And everyone's like, ah, oh, I just want to finish church and go home. And they're like, open bar. And everyone's like, fuck yeah. Like, Why didn't you say so? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He kept saying, like, for the crack. He kept, what does that mean? He kept talking about the crack. Yeah, that means drinking, that? I guess. I was confused by Crake. that, too. It was, like, spelled with a G at the end, The crack right? is for the crack. I thought it was, like, Craig with a C at the end. Crake. Crake. Oh, what is that? Kevin? We look to you Kevin, for please. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to fail Back you this time. We look to you for I was too busy. This is one that I actually just laughed at and enjoyed and wasn't uh, like furiously. It was some kind of slang for drinking, obviously, but I just I hadn't yeah. heard it before. Uh, so yeah, nice, authentic. I got the internet right here, bro. We'll find out what the crack is. We're going to find out. Oh, crack Irish. Uh, what is it? Oh, we're going to look it up in real time. Is that, is that what we're doing? Uh, a crack is a term yes. for news, gossip, fun, entertainment, or enjoyable conversation. Oh. 
There you go. So it just means the crack. That, that's what we do. Yeah. He loves the crack. Very nice. Speak all evil Look crack. We do it for the crack. That's what we're here for. <laughs> I thought the greatest homage uh, in this movie, the greatest horror homage, was the blood alcohol test. Very, ins- very thing, but instead of like doing the blood test to see who's got the thing, they're doing the blood test to see, uh, to check their BAC, <laughs> and then uh, who who is drunk enough to protect themselves uh, from the monster. I thought that was a very clever little throwback. What's the What's the comment they make on like Patty or whatever? <laughs> they're basically like talking about his blood alcohol level, and if like that's what it takes to stay to stay alive against the monsters, everybody's <laughs> fucking dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many there's so many good homages. Uh, obviously, the monsters themselves are heavily based on facehuggers. So you have the alien homage in there. Sure. You've yeah. got what Dave talked about with the scene. You've got the blood. But there's a wicked quick scene where the, the huge, you know, mother grabber takes a guy and chucks him. And he goes oh. right over the moon just like E.T. And it's like a split second. But I was like, damn, these guys are laying it on thick. Kevin, did you? Uh, I bet I have some trivia that you don't have. <gasps> nice, Ooh. I can't wait. Any chance you uh, familiarized yourself with the life and work of Ronnie Self? No, I did not. Uh, well, Ooh, during reach. one of the um, the bar scenes, which this movie is full of, and those are great. I love a good, like, crazy revelry bar scene where everyone's trapped in the bar. They're doing whiskey in the jar. They're going crazy. They're double fisting bottles of booze. Like, can't you know? You can't drink too much to keep yourself safe. But uh, there's a scene where uh, it plays this song. It's like Bopalua or something like that. It's it's like a like off-brand, like it sounds like Jerry Lee Lewis or something like that. Uh, but I never heard it before, but it stuck out. like So I uh, looked into it, and it's Bopalua. It's by Ronnie Self, who was not an Irish rockabilly artist. But if you believe the internet, for whatever that's worth, uh, after he wrote a couple hits for Brenda Lee, and he had this one hit song that's in this movie, he uh, died of alcoholism. Oops, Scooby Dooby Lena, go gal, go Bopalina, Bopalina. She my gal. Oh, Bopalina, Bopalina. Yeah, she my gal. She my gal, and I love her so. Oops, Scooby Dooby Lena, go gal, go. That's a giant dart. Yeah. Oh, musician died of alcoholism. <laughs> That's a rare case, to be sure. Yeah. Really I'm guessing. So I'm guessing with all of the references in this movie, Trent, that that was unbelievably intentional. <laughs> like zero percent chance they didn't mean to use that song. That's how all four of us are going to die. There you go. Well, if only I the cure so. to COVID was fucking drinking, <laughs> this shit would have been oh. gone in April. I actually didn't drink that much during the quarantine. But you would have if Dr. Anthony Fauci said if you get hammered. Well, the, the last couple speak all evil times before we shut down, it was getting a little rowdy. We got a little yeah, rowdy, those I would outings say. outings around Trent's neighborhood, those uh, local bars, those local pubs mm. kind of had I'd the say same it still vibe. gets fairly rowdy sometimes. We, I, we <laughs> Separately. <laughs> speak for yourself, bro. Um, I do like how there's a little bit of Lisa shutting down O'Shea when he first picks her up. And he just tells somebody, like, yeah, this is, like, Lisa. And she's like, I'd prefer it if you introduced me as Garden Nolan. And he's like, nobody minds. And she's like, I do. 
I liked when she offers him a breath mint. She, he just picked her up at the airport. He like woke up wasted, hungover on a couch, and like swilled half a bottle of whiskey, and then goes to pick her up, and she offers him the breath mint, and he's like, "No, they give me heartburn." <laughs> oh, another huge homage to aliens that they had is at the end. Lisa is driving the gigantic machine towards the huge grabber that's going to you know kill O'Shea, and she says, "Get away from him, you cunt." a la Ripley and Aliens when it's get mm. away from her, you bitch. Both movies, uh, you could tell they were Irish movies because both had very hard seas going on. <laughs> sure, that, sure, that's Yeah, that's the mark Cold. of uh, yeah, legitimacy for sure. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised there was never a sequel to this. It definitely left an ending open um, that it could have been, you know, a Tremors, a real Tremors thing or Critters or whatever, yeah. um, but I There's guess still not. time. Oh, who knows? I mean, maybe these, you know, maybe I like it better than Tremors. Maybe these foreign films don't feel the need to turn every fucking movie they make into a franchise. Maybe it didn't make any money. What'd you say, Dave, about Tremors is better than Tremors? It did not make any money. I thought so. Wow. I thought it was better than Tremors. Huh. I don't know. There are no crop topped okay. men in this one. I don't know. Ha 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 hot take. Patty was Patty of the Week. <laughs> Patty of the Week. Oh. <laughs> We got one. I was kind of disappointed that I didn't get to, that I didn't pick the Irish week because there's a bunch of great Irish horror movies uh, easily watchable right now. We just, uh, Kevin and I just saw and talked about a movie called Sea Fever, which is on Hulu right now. We discussed that over on the Speak All Evil, patreon.com forward slash Speak All Evil. We also talked about, uh, I think it was 2019, at least uh, Extraordinary, great horror comedy. I don't know, have you guys seen Very Extraordinary? Good. Who's in that? Mm-mm. Who's in that? I don't, I don't remember good. any of the stars. What's that? Huh. Nah, yeah, Extraordinary is fantastic. Um, I would oh, have picked, there's a 2005 Irish horror movie called Isolation, and that is whoa, on whoa, like, whoa, Tubi whoa, whoa, and Crackle. Whoa, whoa. Uh, is there going to be a new segment of the show where, where we pick shame? What, what's going on here? Where we're like, <laughs> no, I'm just, it's St. Patrick's Day. I'm fine with that as long as it, beca- it becomes the norm. No. If I'm like, you know what? You know what I would have picked? You're, you're fine with it? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're, you're fine with it if I recommend some other Irish horror movies <laughs> for St. Patrick's Day? I'm happy you. that you're fine with that. Thank you. I'm sorry I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I should have memoed that earlier. P-p-p-pick I just kind of went off the you know train here. I how personally was surprised <laughs> at how vast it was. I thought you know we were kind of doing this for like a gimmick for St. Patty's Day, and I didn't realize that I'd seen a lot of these movies and really liked them, and I just hadn't realized they were Irish and, and that there was such a scene there. No, but I would like Trent to finish talking about Isolation because it, it, it is awesome. I, I was finished. I was just saying those are some really good Irish horror movies that are out there right now. All right, are we done? Isolation. I would have picked Leprechaun 1. <laughs> Through 7. I'm just trying to fill this out. I mean, where are the facts? What's going on? We don't have that much material. I wish I picked a different movie. We're talking about shark attacks. I mean, we're, I don't know, you know. Listen, uh, I'm I've sorry. Said I, that I, need just... to say. I will point out um, the scene that you were talking about. We need some closing facts. The scenes that you were talking about, <laughs> uh, that a number of you have talked about, <laughs> where the actors are drunk. Some of my favorite, especially when Garda Lisa, is, they get her hammered for the first time in the bar. I love that. And what John Wright did to build rapport between... Uh, Sharon Ruth Bradley and Richard Coyle is he actually took them out and got them completely shit faced and had people filming them so they could then go back and watch the way they act when they're hammered 
and have a bit more of like context for when they were filming their scenes together and, and filming some of the drunk scenes. Another thing that I liked is Kevin Lehane, who wrote the script, was actually inspired to write the script after he did this global backpacking tour where he was battling mosquito bites hungover and kept wondering if mosquitoes got drunk drinking drunk people's blood. That was like the entire catalyst for him coming up with the concept of grabbers. Wow. <laughs> Info dump. All right, well, I got this uh, boiled dinner getting cold here, guys. So 